Yo, this weirdo really starting a podcast? Yeah, girl, he been like that since birth. Always gotta do everything in the weirdo way. The weirdo way. The weirdo way. The weirdo way. And welcome, weirdos, to the Weirdo Way podcast. <laughs> I am your host, Weirdo Way. Make sure you follow, rate, review, five stars, five stars, five stars, because what? If you're going to do anything in this life, you might as well do it to the best of your abilities. Or why do it at all, you know? <laughs> and before we go any further, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Because there are over a million podcasts on planet Earth. There's probably so many podcasts now. I'm sure that NASA's working on a way to podcast from Mars. If not, I know Elon just stole my idea. He's going to try to podcast from Mars. <laughs> and still, you chose to come listen with me. Round of applause to you. I am super excited. Finally, it is here. Episode 2, Part 2. Weirdos love Minnesota food and music. And my gosh, there's so many different ways I could take this. But for this episode, I'm taking the food to a savant. Right, I told you guys already. One of the best bartenders in Minneapolis. Toby Pantilla is on the show today. For my TikTokers, you can find him at, at Eat Eclectic on TikTok. And then again, for Minnesota music, I have my first reviews and it's going to be on the hometown hero, Mac Irv, and his appropriately named album, The Breakthrough. I can't wait to tell y'all what I feel about that one on the, the Weirdo Way, Way podcast. Lego. Yeah, man, you look into the Weirdo Way podcast, you know, my street out of Minnesota, you know what I mean? I say, number one, number one, number one, this. Me can't believe my eyes. Everything raw, explicit, up and running. Take what me say, me I deliver it to your bomb buckler. You understand me? Yes, yes, this is super exciting. I've been telling the people, I've been talking you up, telling the people there's nobody who gets more excited about talking about food than Tubby Pantilla, man. Tell people a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Food is uh, food's my number one passion in life. You know, my dreams to taste the world, you know, one bite at a time. And, you know, I'd like to create a like an encyclopedic level knowledge of global street food and then relate it back to the history of those cultures as well. And then be able to share the joy that I find with my friends and family and those who are interested in learning more about food and the impacts on culture. So, yeah, I mean, Minneapolis is definitely a great place to be for that specifically. And I'm very blessed that I was born and raised here and have been able to explore like all the avenues of the food scene here and it's pretty awesome to be in the city i think it's highly underrated <laughs> for sure like i could not agree with you more i definitely think when people think about food they don't think about minneapolis first but what would you say to like somebody from new york be like you're from minnesota like what what do you guys possibly have to offer food culinary wise look we may be like a small city, like, you know, we're not Chicago, but for the Midwest area per capita, we have the most diverse food scene in the Midwest. And we have a very diverse food scene and chiefly because of the refugee resettlement program. Um, you look at like Southeast Asians. I mean, even in your own intersection, West African, because of chi- chain migration, people just keep coming over here and they bring their cu- culture and their food with them. So, and that's like, it's amazing. So pretty much any corner of the globe for food that you're looking for, we have it here in Minneapolis. Yeah. And it's dope that you can get so much of that in like an OG food hall cafeteria like Midtown Global Market. And I encourage everyone, please make your way to Midtown Global Market. It is the OG and you have so many different kind of foods. You have Safari Express. I got to shout them out first and foremost because they have my favorite rice bowl in the city. The food there is just incredible. East African food. But you also have Vietnamese food and Indian food and Los Campos for a Mexican situation. So many good different flavors. You walk in there and you have so many natural 
local foods. It's like natural groceries as well. Moroccan food. Oh, I love Moroccan food. Don't even start off chicken tangine. But there's so much good food that you guys have to check it out. It is the original food hall cafeteria concept, which to me, those spaces are the future. They're the wave, but I hope they're here to stay. You have so many of them popping up around the city. You have Gray's over there in the North Loop with Soul Bowl, the black owned business. It's incredible down south for cooking and bad wings. And you can get a cocktail. The Viking sex boat is my favorite, <laughs> my favorite name and drink on the on the menu. But and it's a mixed use space. You can play Nintendo over there. You can watch the game over there. And me and my homeboys will go sit on the rooftop and we don't have to all get the same place. You and your diverse team with diverse taste buds can all try something different. Make a potluck out of it if you would like to. Go by yourself and get a coffee and study or do trivia on Tuesday nights. Such a fun space to be. <laughs> they can go to lose and get a bond me. You know, it's just different options and I love that. Give me more options. <laughs> and that neighborhood is wildly spoiled, right? You go a little bit down the street and you have North Loop Food Galley, another incredible food cafeteria, which I love. Um, one Hawaiian plate, that their food is incredible. Oh my gosh, mouth watering just thinking about it. <laughs> you go there and get the Spam Musubu with the island plate. You don't have to eat for three days. <laughs> they are very generous with their portions. You have rectangle pizza in there. You have soul food in there. Some, and it's just a cool spot to kick it by the fire on a on a nice you know summer day or a nice fall day. You know, it's just a dope situation. There's so many of these food hall cafeterias popping up. I love that concept, really. Oh, I'm I'm happy you bring this up. Yeah, because like the Midtown Global Market, everyone that's pretty much everyone's first exposure for the most part. It was mine. Yeah, I know that for sure. But there's a couple more like that. Like so, let's say you you want the experience of a Midtown Global Market, but you want you don't want to go to Midtown Global Market. Right down the street from there is Mercado Central, and that. That is a hidden gem. Like that is that's that's the real spot, at least on the Minneapolis side that I go to, where it reminds me of being in like markets in Mexico and everything. But you can find more than just Mexican food. They have some Central American like pupusas. They have Salvadorian food. I think they have like Peruvian food and Honduran food, and of course they're gonna have Mexican food. Like and it's you walk in there and English is not really spoken, and that's what I look for. I want to go to a place where like the majority of the people aren't speaking English as a first language. Like that's how I. I know I'm in a good, like authentic spot. If the families go there, then yeah, that's that that's the place. That's the number one recommendation for that food cafeteria style like location that I would say is awesome. Another one that I've been meaning to get to that I've failed myself in doing so is Hmong Village over in St. Paul. Cause I've heard some huge things about that one and it's great. So I mean, I, I owe it to myself and to the community to get there and experience all the wonderful delicacies that it has to offer. Cause I, I hear some big things about uh, Hmong Village and I, I need to go there. So and give a review for it because that's the number one, like food, food court. I don't know what, what you want to call it. Multi, multi food stand venue that I want to go to for sure. And changing gears just a little bit. You especially, I know how much you love street food, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> that is my jam. Like street food is my relationship with fancy food or like the perceived like pedestaled food and culinary ventures and everything is based on my relationship with street food because I see street food is what's been used to feed the masses. Food is meant to be eaten. It's meant to be shared. It's it's meant for nourishment. And because street food is usually low cost, it feeds more people. And that's important to me. Not only that, but like you look at all this, what we see is like fancy food today. And if you dig back in the history, especially like French cuisine, they came from, you know, like Jewish peasants or they were 
were poor people food. I mean, look at look at how we hold lobster in such high uh, esteem today. I mean, lobster's good. Don't get me wrong. I love me some good lobster. I would take one, throw it in a pot, and just cut it up when it's done and eat it plain. I'm a huge fan of lobster. But back in the old days, lobster used to be served to prisoners. Mm. So, you know, it, my contention with fancy food isn't so much the food itself, but it's the public's perception on it. And because of that, like I gravitate more towards the street food because there's nothing better. When you're, when you're traveling abroad in other countries, you're going to eat street food for the most part. Like I, I'll never forget this. And I went on a solo trip to Bali once and I was walking down the street. I love this. So the saute are these little skewers that they have, right? That they drill over uh, charcoal that's made from carbonized coconut shells. And they take like the steel rain gutter and they put the coals in it and they heat it up. And they have like either like a leaf blower or a fan over here to blow air over the coals to keep them hot. And then they take the saute or the skewers and put them over that and grill them. But I'm walking down the street and all of a sudden they blow the smoke out in the street. Greatest, most brilliant advertising and marketing campaign I've ever seen in my entire life because it works. Right. They they got me hook, line, and sinker, but they were I smell dripping fat, dripping pork fat on like hot charcoals. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I tell you what, I, I was, that was it. That was, I was done. I immediately, I was walking this direction. It just went detour and everything. And it was, it turned out to be the, some of the best food I've had that entire trip. I mean, cause this smells good. It's cheap and affordable. Yeah. I'll go ahead and access it. And that's why I travel is for those types of experiences. And then from there, like, you know, you get to talking with the shop owners, their history, um, you know, how they came to Sate, what's their, you know, uh, historical relationship with Sate. And you just grow to appreciate it more. I mean, those are the types types of experiences that give me juice in my life. And that's kind of like the same excitement that I feel that I get from having those. I want to be able to share that with people. And I want people to be able to understand where it comes from. And so then when they have their own experiences, like they can have that same deep level of appreciation. I understand not everyone's going to be able to do it. They just want to eat and everything. But for those who are looking for that, like... the satisfaction is like it goes all the way down to your soul mm. and there there's you can't you can't compare anything else to to things like that right. at least that's how it is for me no you're absolutely right and that's the kind of passion that people have come to expect from the word away podcast so you are right and like i always say the food is never really just about the food you know the food is about feeling the food is about fellowship food is about the visual and the story yeah that's why throughout history and even right now you know food is such a true form of love you know, it's how I greet you. It's how I welcome you. It's how I say I care about your nourishment and your body. Food is nostalgia, right? Whether it be mom's home cooked meal or a McDonald's Happy Meal. <laughs> Companies put millions and billions of dollars in investing into connecting your psychology to food, right? And it's even worse in children, the way they manipulate children to get lifelong customers, right? Don't take my word for it. Google it. (laughs) If you know two things about the word away, we don't tell you what to think. We just ask if you would like to. And the second thing is always trust but verify. But even on a very practical level, like think about what cooking actually is, right? You're laboring over a hot stove, paying all this fine attention to details and measurements in the name of craft and curating this flavor that will generate maximum happiness and satisfaction and approval from others, right? Because again, if you just were looking to sustain them, you could serve them gruel, oatmeal with no sugar or anything every day, and that would serve them as sustenance. But you actually care that they maximize their happiness while they're eating that meal. Just quintessential labor of love, in my opinion. And I know listeners are right now like, are they really sitting here waxing poetically about cooking and food right now? Yes. 
Yes, we are. And that's what separates a foodie from a taste tester or just a consumer. I mean, <laughs> and we'll get to this in, in a little bit later. But you know how I feel about the idea of like Instagram foodie influencers. You know, people think a lot of times foodie is about the picture. You know what I mean? They think if you take really pretty pictures of food, then you are a foodie. And no, like not at all. To me, it's about the appreciation and the love of the process that makes you a foodie. Not just, but anyway, I digress. We'll get to that a little bit later. You know how I get. But since we're speaking on passions, I know for you, being in all these kitchens around the Twin Cities, you have a lot of stories to tell. Which Minnesota kitchen gets you the most excited when you think about it? Oh, Marla's Caribbean Cuisine, number one. Like the restaurant may not be operating right now. Marla's still alive. And that restaurant forever in my mind will be probably the best restaurant I have ever been in, bar none. Marla's food was real home cooked food. I mean, in essence, Marla's Caribbean Cuisine was the greatest symbol of the American dream that I've ever seen. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a product of immigration. So when I see other immigrants coming here, starting a business as tough as a restaurant, which is insane because restaurant industry, if you're making 8% profit margin, like you're doing good. Like it's one of the most riskiest businesses you can get into. But to see someone come over from another country, start up a, a business like a restaurant, and then just to absolutely kill it, that's an amazing vibe and energy to be in. On top of that, like the food, I mean, how many times have we gone to Marla's and gotten the jerk chicken with the paratha? on the side oh, or the curry goat or the oxtail with the red beans and rice the doubles all oh, the jerk chicken doubles don't even get me started that was it like the, you could find in the food pieces of history and reflections of home and everything and it was it was amazing to be a part of and to even be able to have the chance to work there for the short time that I did it was amazing because I mean you're scrambling to put everything all together and people are coming in for the food is just that good it's got a cult following yeah Yes, yes. And you could taste the care. You could taste the quality that she and the whole family, because you know, the family business put into the food. <laughs> you know what? That reminds me, her brother Harry has this really good Caribbean food spot on Eat Street. Shout out Eat Street. We'll have to do an episode on that in and of itself one day. Remember when we had that summer, we tried to do the Eat Street challenge? <laughs> But anyway, I popped in post-pandemic just to see how he was doing and show some love and buy some food. And uh, the conversation that ensued afterwards was just straight hilarity. I won't say exactly what was said here, but I'll text you and let you know. Maybe another episode. In short, he is jokes. He's a curmudgeon and I love him. And if you can, you should check out uh, Harry's on E Street as well, especially if you love big portions and lots of spice. Oh, and while we're here in the Caribbean food portion of the show, I know I don't give enough love to the burbs but brooklyn center has a gem called irie vibes you guys should definitely go check that out especially friday saturday nights is a real authentic dance hall vibe Gyalfam, hosted by delroy the rude boy definitely worth the price of admission trust but verify go see what i'm talking about <laughs> friday nights but spring is here summer is coming which means the food trucks are getting ready to start rolling out in full force sundresses and food trucks are summer essentials right <laughs> so we gotta talk about that so what food trucks are you looking forward to this summer? Ooh, well, I got a food truck more like a food trailer that's coming up here. And you you guys are all going to have to check it out. Um, You can find them on Instagram, Boomin Barbecue. It's a new startup that's coming. And I'm talking, I follow this guy because his level of passion for barbecue is on the same level and frequency that I have with food. Yeah, yeah. And he is a student 
of the craft and everything. And he, I've, I've had the chance to try some of his stuff. And oh man, I tell you, this is it. I firmly believe that this guy is going to put Minnesota barbecue on the map finally. Um, so Boomin' Barbecue, that's check him out. That's, we heard, that's, that's not even out yet. It's yeah, like, it's not even out yet, but you guys need to be, be aware and be ready because when it hits, it's going to be huge. The lines are going to be long and it, it's going to be awesome. Another one that I like is the old cheese food truck, all the different types of grilled cheese. I mean, there's nothing better than like a simple grilled cheese, but that's got a little bit of like flair to it. Like th- that's always a good one. We were fortunate, like when we lived in Uptown um, and the restaurant I work at is right there on Hennepin, the center of yeah. where they have the food truck fair in the summer. I mean, I don't think I had more fun at Disneyland as a child than I did at that food truck fair. Like that is just walk through this street and like in the back of my head, I'm hearing that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory come with me and you'll see a world of pure imagination. And I'm just like, this is, I'm in Nirvana. It's, a, it's incredible. So there's a lot we have a lot of really great food trucks and it's hard for me to nail down one because it all depends on what i'm craving like if i want to try something a little different and outside of my comfort zone or before butcher it's like they have the vegetarian barbecue substitutes or whatever i mean that i think that's a pretty cool concept from a business standpoint i really like it because it serves an underserved market oh yeah and also in that van you got to try trio plant-based on lake street so so good the mac and cheeseburger so good you might tear up right a lot of really great food trucks let's see um hot indian that was a really good one Bravo has a good one. Right. But uh, Tacos El Primo. Oh my God. The Kmart. Oh, there's oh. nothing that I like better than a top notch taco truck and Tacos El Primo. Oh, that, you know, that's pretty much an institution at this point that's in when, my mind. That's when, when I heard Kmart was closed, and that was the first thing I was really concerned about is like, what happens to the taco truck? <laughs> I bet you if they put the taco truck closer to the entrance, it probably would have stayed open. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you want more of a, what I call, because there are two different kinds of tacos. Like I know people who really mm-hmm. love like gringo, quote unquote, gringo taco experience, right? They want it more Americanized experience. And maybe El Primo is not for you to that, but I've taken people there who are of that vein and they like authentic Mexican tacos. Yeah, that to me, it doesn't get much better than that. You know, Kmart tacos, is, that's my, as far as taco trucks go, that's my spot. That's my spot. Oh yeah, that's, that's a great place. Um, um, uh, there's a really cool Korean restaurant on Grand called Bap and Chicken, and they have a new food truck out that I that I've been meaning to get to called the Batmobile. Mm. And I mean, come on, who wouldn't like like a Korean food truck? I mean, that's something that we need here. I mean, I mean that representation in the food truck scene is totally, totally necessary. And I'm happy to see that they they've started doing that as well. So that's pretty. Check them out, Bap and Chicken, um, and the Batmobile. It's it's legit. If you haven't been to their location on Grand, I highly recommend. Big, big Korean fried chicken wings and like the batter after it is just something else. Like it, I that is something that I was like, okay, I've had a bunch of different types of batters, but this Korean batter and the way they fry it, oh and if I know chicken wars is 2020, but if you're still fighting the battle and you're looking for a good contender, I would not go with Popeyes. I would not go with Wendy's. I wouldn't go with any of the major chains. You want a chicken sandwich, go get the one from Bap and Chicken. It's this freaking big <laughs> and it's got like this Korean kimchi coleslaw on it. You can get some hot sauce with it and everything. Awesome bun. And that will settle the, the debate right there. There's no better chicken sandwich than that the, the Korean fried chicken sandwich at Bap and 
chicken. That's you should people should check them out too. Wow, that's breaking news. I know uh chicks MSP would like a word, side chick would like a word, Nashville chicken coop would like a word. Um <laughs> one Hawaiian has a chicken sandwich that would like to have a word. So that's that's controversial. Wow, we're gonna have to you know what? That's an episode right there. We gotta do the chicken wars episode because chicken wars are heating up in the Twin Cities, and I'm excited. I'm here for it. Something I want to touch on briefly right now that uh I will expound upon at a later date is definitely underrepresented food styles and cultures. One of my big gripes with Twin City Pop food media is that they always gravitate towards what's trendy and most Instagrammable, right? <laughs> if you follow at Word Away on Twitter, you know that I put out a kind of lengthy tirade with MSP magazine. I was just super frustrated going through casting my votes for all these different best of food in the Twin City categories and not seeing any East, Af- not seeing any African categories. And that's a huge part of the Twin Cities culture. Not seeing Caribbean categories, that kind of stuff kind of irked me. <laughs> because if you're going to present yourself as an authority, and I love MSP Magazine, but if they're going to present themselves as an authority, which they absolutely are, no doubt about it, but I need them to be more responsible. It kind of shows a lack of diversity in the newsroom where these lists are being decided. And they are super important in the restaurant scene to have these sorts of prestigious awards. You can drum up so much business that way. And when we're talking about racial equity. It's major to get these things right so that the full culinary landscape can be on display and everyone can have representation. Because to be honest, what it's giving is if the food is not amenable to the palette of whiteness or proximity to whiteness, then it doesn't get the same play. And don't shoot the messenger. I'm just calling it exactly how I see it or how I perceive it. If there's no one on staff that can taste some cassava leaf, then they need to hire Toby Pantilla or myself. You know, <laughs> we'll get in there gladly, but they need to get some diversity in the newsroom. Seriously, I remember the first time I read a African restaurant being reviewed in the Twin Cities. Rest in peace to the city pages. I love them. I, can't, I hope they come back in some capacity because local journalism is so important. But on this particular story, they had, I believe her name was Becca something or another, and she described the smell of the African food as funk, but like as a pejorative. Like she, I think it was like funk or must. And I'm like, that is so fucking disrespectful. You should never do that to any culture. If it's something so unfamiliar to you that you don't understand it, treat it with reverence and maybe phone a friend, you know? Get somebody who who does have a better vocabulary around talking about these things. You know, that's a very juvenile way of it would have been described back in the day, like when I was a child, you know? And I could never understand it then. But now you're an adult. You should understand that you should approach different cultures with a certain reverence, especially if you're going to make your money as a food critic. And I think that's what kind of scares a lot of Minnesota writers, food writers off from African food is that fear or that lack of understanding to foods that refuse to assimilate to American taste buds and smells and sights. And of course, it goes without saying it's completely within your right to not like how something tastes, but do not yuck my yum out of simple ignorance. But a lot of really good food gets underrepresented in that sort of um, rinse, wash, and repeats type of media. For me, of course, it's like West African foods. Of course, um, the East African foods are underrepresented. And of course, Hmong culture and other Asian foods in general. I know that's something that's near and dear to your heart working at Amazing Thailand, which is seriously one of the best happy hours in all of the city. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, I still need to jump on that. Like, yeah. I still need to go check out Vinay, uh, Monk Kitchen. Those are those are gonna be a huge thing because I mean that that food culture is completely underrepresented in especially Minneapolis, where we have one of the largest Hmong populations, you know, outside of Asia. Like that is something that you know deserves to be seen and heard. And you know, to be honest, I, I feel guilty of not doing my part of at least going to check it out. But it's on my list for sure. Like that's gonna be good. Side note: you go to United Noodles, and if you look, you might see some amazing Thailand 
products being sold there. Keep an eye out. Yes, definitely weirdos. We got to support the people who support us. So be on the lookout. <laughs> and also not to leave out the motherland. You remember we used to go to Dillard's all the time. And I know you love that rip and dip style. And just because I don't want to leave anybody out, when we speak about that rip and dip style, we are talking about a way of eating popular in cultures all over the world where you're using your hands as utensils and typically taking the starch-based food, think potatoes or rice, and using it to scoop, dip, mix, etc. into a stew or soup-like dish. In East Africa, think injera and fool. In Mama Liberia, we have fufu and pepper soup. Even rice and potato greens can be eaten with your hands. Let my father tell it. <laughs> Usually, everyone will wash their hands really well before you start, and depending on the part of the world you're in, that can be a fun part of the experience too. But it's meant to be communal, like close friends and families, etc. Build bonds and show love and trust this way. Okay. <laughs> I want to take a time out here. Okay. And I need to address the public here. <laughs> if the idea of rip and dip or eating with your hands in general does not appeal to you, I'm not sure you can call yourself a foodie. I mean, I don't mean to be a gatekeeper here. For me, I know for us at least that eating with our hands, that's like a primal experience. Like that is super, super key into experiencing other cultures. I mean, I'm a little upset at you that you kept like the glory of West African food a secret. Like I know you let me try a little bit, but that like my favorite dish of all time from any restaurant ever, Marla's jerk chicken with the paratha, like rip, dip it and just ram it down your gullet. Like what? who in their right mind would not enjoy that? Like, yeah, I get it. It can be messy and everything. But at the same day, we can go ahead for the sake of experiencing another culture, like put our table manners aside and just enjoy yourself. I, I, I don't know if I'd want to eat with anyone who would go to like a, a Somali or Ethiopian restaurant and then use a fork and a knife <laughs> to like dip the injera into the sauce and everything. That's that's <laughs> not somebody you want to eat with. Yes, right. Like that would be wildly pretentious. But so much of what food culture is on social media is wildly pretentious. Like <laughs> I'm like, do you like the food or do you like the picture or do you like the likes that come with posting the pictures of the food, you know? <laughs> and trust me, I'm very pro pictures of food. If you don't believe me, follow me at Weird Away on Instagram and Twitter, right? I low-key get mad at y'all. When y'all go somewhere, y'all know the food look fire and don't post the location. That's selfish. <laughs> and I really love seeing your pictures of food. So feel free to hashtag weirdos welcome on any post so I can see it. But I do think we're at a point now where people believe that if you take pretty pictures and go to a lot of restaurants, you're a foodie. And to me, that is just a small fraction of the entire experience of what it means to be a foodie. And I guess part of that comes as we as Americans especially become more and more disconnected from like where our food comes from. We don't really know the story, you know, like we even have created euphemisms around it, right? I don't want to know how the sausage is made. <laughs> Now, when that sausage comes out on a really pretty plate with a really pretty cocktail and it looks really Instagrammable, now we're talking about something. Hashtag foodie. Hashtag phone eats first. <laughs> which is fine. Which is dope. All these restaurants deserve all the exposure. Again, I love your food posts. Do not stop posting. Do not stop snapping them. <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe, just maybe we could stop to think about our food a little bit more. But that's why I love going out to eat with you, Tubby, because you will be in the kitchen with the chef to get that story like you want to know how did it come to be what's the history behind this dish and uh, we share that sort of appreciation and the weirdos might be really mad at me because i wanted to do our rapid fire top five top five favorite places in the twin cities to eat x y and z burgers pizzas tacos etc but i'm gonna hold on to that keep it for a bonus episode and i want to hear your thoughts on the twin city food influencer scene as it stands so what do you think and who are your favorites to follow 
I will make a distinction amongst influencers here because most people, when you think influencers, you're thinking of, like, at least for the Minneapolis food industry, like uh, Kim Lee Curry, who's got, like, 50,000 followers. That's a lot of people. But, you know, there's smaller influencers called the micro-influencers who have maybe one to 10,000 followers that are really great wells of information for the local food scene. Uh, for example, I like to follow MN Chuck, Bacon Fatty, Lizzie Minneapolis, Hulita, not Hulita, Hulita, uh, Minneapolis Foodie, TC burger blog come eat with me mn and then okay khalif those are the influencers that i tend to follow for at least this local food scene because they tend to be the first ones to know about something new they got some deep roots into the industry or at least good connections to where they can be a really effective loudspeaker for it and you know they're really vital to this entire ecosystem of restaurants because they get the word out about what's coming up uh for example one of the top food items i'm really excited to try this summer is the bad mother clucker fried chicken sandwich the hot honey edition from the bad rooster food truck and i only found out about that through the tc burger blog and by the way he's got a great great page here full of anything you'd want burger related there's even smaller influencers that have like specialties in like cream cheese wonton so <laughs> whatever you like you can find at the local level and the really cool thing is these micro influencers tend to be more responsive mm. so you can pick their brains about anything and i've been fortunate enough to have a few conversations with the people that i've mentioned before here and kind of figure out you know what they're looking at what they're excited for and that can give the average person here a good idea of where to look uh, what's coming up and where they can find, you know, some of the best food in the influencer's uh, opinion. And that's really important to me because I do think that our restaurant industry in this time is going to need as much promotion as possible. You know, we just survived the pandemic and now we have to go through the hardest part, which I think is the transition back into normalcy. And in order to do that, we need people like these influencers to get the word out on what we're selling and everything else. So please go give them some support, follow their pages, and that way you can find out where you want to eat this coming summer. Yes, man. I couldn't agree with you more. Please support Minneapolis, St. Paul, the Metro, the whole Minnesota restaurant industry, man. I'm, and you're being modest because the best micro-influencer account to follow is TUBZ521. That's Tubby's Instagram account. Trust me. You want to follow it at Eat Eclectic for my TikTokers. One of my two favorite bartenders in the city. Go check him out at Amazing Thailand as soon as you can. Tubby, thank you so much for joining us. I told the weirdos you were passionate about this food thing. You did not disappoint. You are already one of the best food influencers in the city. And it's just up to the rest of Minnesota to catch up. Thank you so much for joining us. And you already know I'm going to have you back on when you're a bigger deal. I'm still going to have your number. And you're going to come back on and give us more of what we need to know about food in the Minneapolis. Thank Thank you so much. I appreciate the invite on to here. I'm, you know, I'm always down to talk food. Weirdo, a person who is extraordinary, strange, or eccentric. All right, weirdos, it's about time to wrap up. But before we go, weirdos, I want you to think about your friend group for a second. This episode has got me thinking, and now I want to issue a challenge, particularly to my Caucasian brothers and sisters. I want you to think about your black friend or friends, your Mexican friend or friends, your Asian, your non-white friend or friends in your group, right? I want you to think about if you ever have been to their house, or if you have ever tried their food, or have ever been to a wedding of their culture, or to an event or a function of their culture, maybe a 
church of their culture. And when I say, have you ever been to their house? I mean their family's house. Like, have you met their parents, their aunts, their uncles? I want you to think about that for a second because I know a lot of times it's easy as a minority friend to feel like a token or tokenized, right? And it's because a lot of times your friendship with your white friends depends on your ability to do things in close proximity to whiteness or that maintain white comfortability, right? Think about the bars you go to. Think about where you're spending the predominant amount of time when you're with your group of friends. And not every friend is your friend. Sometimes our friends are just acquaintances. But if somebody calls you their friend, it should go both ways, right? Like if I'm going to go to a pour some sugar on me type vibe, you're going to have to come to a girl, you look good when you, or a dance hall where they doing the rudest dances and you have a guy like Marvin the Beast that's going to jump off a speaker 20 feet onto a woman consensually of course <laughs> and if you have a jamaican friend and you don't know what i'm talking about hence is the problem right or you have to go somewhere where they where they shaku shaku or guara guara for big papa <laughs> if you have a liberian friend and you don't know what i'm talking about this is what i'm saying but most important to this episode get into their food because the beautiful thing about tapping in with the food is the stories will flow really learn about the food because that's how you really learn about people and that's how you really learn about your friendships and i want minnesota bond to be more than just superficial. Of course your friend is out here sunbathing with you at the Elon pool. <laughs> like of course your black friend's gonna come with you on Big Lake to <laughs> cruise around Minnetonka. But are you gonna go to their function? Are you willing to be the minority in their space and be as comfortable as they appear when they're in your space, right? There's a lot of stuff going on in Minneapolis right now. And just as a general rule of friendship, how many of us have friends where we don't even know what's going on with them really, how they feel, like how they really feel. Like not just when they're they're self-medicating on their fifth shot and you're like, hey, I love you so much, bro. You're so fun to drink with. No. <laughs> then you guys wake up in the morning and you never talk about it again. <laughs> no. How do you really feel about what's going on in the city? How do you feel, expect them to feel comfortable coming to you about that? You don't even know the first thing about them, about their culture, their food, their real beliefs. They might just be trying to go along and get along. And I can't fault them for that. I understand that. That goes across friend groups, no matter what the racial lines are. Check up on your friends. Really tap in with your friends. It's a very trying time. We in a fucking global pandemic, y'all. <laughs> and then there's the epidemic of the police and the criminals killing discriminately. Like what? And a lot of people avoiding therapy. A lot of people paying a lot of money to therapists when it would just be nice to have a friend who was really their friend, really a listening ear, who really cared to get out their own head. All right. <laughs> but I think we can start at a fundamental level of strengthening the relationships amongst each other so they're not so superficial, right? Yeah, you got a Black Lives Matter sign in your front yard, but what's your proximity to blackness when it really comes down to it? I don't want to get too deep into it, but right now, find your minority friend. Text them and be like, hey, what's your favorite cultural food? We on it, all right? That's your homework. Accountability is love. Food is love. And thank you all for listening. Special thanks again to Tubby at Tubbs. 521 on Instagram at Eat Eclectic on TikTok. Y'all should know we're going to have him back for every food episode. So don't even trip. You're going to get your tubby fix. Um, episode two, part three is absolutely ready, but I'm going to release that later in the week. Episode part three is all about Minnesota music. We're going to drop that soon. And then we're going to start getting back into the serious stuff. I just needed this break on the pod to show love and kind of cleanse my energy and my spirit. My heart's heavy, but talking about what's special about Minnesota helps me keep going. Are we coming back with the politics? We coming back with the heavy stuff? I ain't running from it. You guys know me. This episode was produced, edited, mixed, 
hosted everything <laughs> by the weirdo way himself recording live from an undisclosed studio and by studio of course i mean what an undisclosed bedroom closet <laughs> positive vibrations to my city to the nation and to the world until next time weirdo way out in loving memory and honor of anaya allen trinity ottoman smith Davian Garrett Jr., Charlie Johnson, Winston Smith, Dante Wright, Demarius Ekdahl, and all the victims of gun violence by the police and criminals throughout the state of Minnesota. May they all be held accountable for their actions, and may all victims live forever in our hearts. Love and peace, Minneapolis, Minnesota.